This is Pastor Andrea Ellis, and I just want to personally welcome you to the Destiny Faith Church podcast. I'm so happy you're with us today. I trust the word of God will inspire you. So please open your heart and enjoy the word. Glorified today. Be exalted today. Be extolled today. Father, cause our worship to be a sweet smelling savor a sweet smelling aroma in your nostrils be glorified and magnified in our worship today father we decrease that you will increase none whoo, none of us and all of you father you're worthy you're worthy you're worthy you're worthy you're worthy you're worthy of worship. You're worthy of adoration. You're worthy of thanksgiving. You're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy. Be large today in our lives. Be large today in our, in our lives. And oh God, we're careful to give you alone glory and honor and praise you deserve it all in the name of our lord and savior jesus christ and by his blood come on would you shout hallelujah to the most high god hallelujah to the king of glory Hallelujah to the King of Kings. Hallelujah to the Lord of Lords. Hallelujah to our Savior. Hallelujah to our Keeper. Hallelujah to our Deliverer. There's, woo, there's none like him. And he deserves our most ridiculous worship, praise, and adoration. Oh, glory, 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 glory to the Lord most high. To him be honor, glory, dominion, power, now and forevermore. In the name of Jesus and by his blood. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. Ready, go. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Again, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. One more time. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. When is faith? Faith is always now. Faith is always in the present tense. If it's not now, then it's not faith. Would you shout hallelujah to the king? Come on, would you shout hallelujah to your Lord God Almighty? That's your Lord. Shout hallelujah. And you can have your seats. Woo!
mercy endures forever and ever 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 and ever. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Woo! He's great and greatly to be praised. He's worthy of worship. Oh, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ooh, I got to hold my mule because I'm already emotional. I'm already excited. I'm already there. I could just lay out right now and stay laid out for the whole rest of the service. But I came with the woo, I came with a word in season for you today. So today the topic of my discussion is simply divine distinction. Divine distinction. Worshiping in spirit, worshiping in truth distinguishes you from everybody else and everything else. Listen to me right here, and I'm going to lay some foundation. Your worship distinguishes you from everybody else. We could be in a coliseum with 10,000 people in it, but your worship, which sends a sweet smell and aroma to God, distinguishes, it singles you out. So he knows exactly where to find you as a result of your worship. When you worship your praise and your worship distinguishes you so that the Holy Spirit can find you by means of your worship in order to meet your real needs. Now, we don't come worshiping God to get our need met, but there's a divine reciprocation in our worship. When we when we begin to worship him in spirit and in truth. It's, it, he's not just saying, worship me, worship me, worship me, worship me. He's coming because of your worship to see about you and what your specific need is. He finds you in your worship. I'm calling it divine distinction. Your worship marks you as different. I didn't say better. I said different. He knows how to find you. Your worship is as unique as your own fingerprints. We all have a different fingerprint. We all can be found individually in a corporate worship environment. He will individually find you as a result of your worship. Listen to me, because your worship is unmistakable and it's in the spirit room, he has no problem finding you in your worship. Let me lay down some foundation. We, we talked for two services about the um, speaking the outcome. Speak the outcome. And we even had a side thrust of, Holy Spirit, help my mouth. 
Holy Spirit, help my mouth. Holy Spirit, help my mouth to speak the outcome of a victorious life, a dynamic life, a life that's compelling, a life that's influential, a life that's strong, a life that's effective, a life that's capable, a life that's fulfilled, a life that's successful, a life that's rewarding, a life that's productive, a life that's valuable, and a life that's viable. It's all as a result of me speaking the outcome. We learned over in Genesis chapter 2 verse 7, Lord God formed the man of the dust of the ground and he breathed into man's nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being or from the Aramaic a speaking spirit. So you were created as a spirit with the ability to speak forth your desired outcome. So we have to be careful to do it. It's not enough to shake our head and agree. You have to speak it forth. The Holy Trinity is very, very vocal and as you should be too. I've been talking about the person of the Holy Spirit because often out of the Holy Trinity, we focus mainly on God or we focus mainly on Jesus. But I need you to get a revelation that the three are one. And it is a shame to just focus on these two and then act like the Holy Spirit is an option. He is a viable part of the Holy Trinity. I talked about Vance the other day. It would be a shame for me to keep prancing in front of Vance. Hey, Vance, how you doing? Did you eat today? I brought you some cupcakes and this, that, and the All up in Vance's face and never say anything to essence. Come up in here, married people. We would have a serious problem. It's not... I'm being nice to Vance. I brought him cupcakes and brownies. I brought him a cup of coffee. I'm being nice to him. I'm, I'm, I'm recognizing him. But I can't stay up in his face and bypass his other half. I can't stay up in the Father's face, up in Jesus, and just act like the Holy Spirit doesn't exist. Act like he's an option. Act like I can do without him. When I act like that, then I have a life that's lived beneath my privilege. I'm talking about the third person of the Holy Trinity, and I want us to know who the person of the Holy Spirit is. Listen to me, and he's not tongues. The Holy Spirit is not tongues. The Holy Spirit is not dancing. The Holy Spirit is a viable part of the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God with you, God for you, and God in you. Let us learn about this person of the Holy Spirit so that we can have the desired outcome in this life. I don't need to wait until the sweet by and by. I can have everything I need and everything I desire in the sweet here and now. In chapter 
verse 7 of chapter 2 of Genesis, man became a living being or a speaking spirit. God breathed into man's nostrils the breath, the gust, the wind, the spirit, the ruach. And then man was empowered to be distinguished from every other creature. That's a divine distinction. As a result of the wind, the br- remember I told you there are all of these symbols of the Holy Spirit. These symbols are to help you to identify him. These symbols are to help you to understand his character, help you to understand his nature. So there are, are earthly symbols given to a divine entity. It's called anthropomorphic when you when you give human attributes to divinity. But we need human attributes to help us to mark our minds so that we know that the Holy Spirit is not just a vapor or a concept or he's not just tongues, but he is a viable part of the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit given by God. So that I can live like him and act like him and operate like him. Created in his image and in his likeness. Let me lay some principle down. I'm going to tell you right now, I have way more word than I have time. But if you hang with me, we're going to get some revelation in here today. And revelation changes our lives. Verse 8 in chapter 2 says, the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man that he formed. He strategically positioned the man in Eden, the Garden of Eden. Man was strategically set up in Edom. That's where God put the man that he created. That's where God's the next verse after verse 7. That's where God put the man that he breathed into man's nostrils, the breath of life, and man became a living, breathing, speaking spirit. Then the next thing he set him, he strategically positioned him in the garden of Eden. Now, yes, the garden of Eden is a physical location, But may I submit to you today that Eden is a spiritual location as well. Eden not only is natural, but it is spiritual. I'm helping you to understand divine distinction. This place in the spirit, Eden has reference to the word delight. Delight, euphoria. His presence is so prominent. His presence is so captivating. You're not supposed to be able to take your eyes off of him. Some of you have traveled the world as I have, and I've seen some of the most breathtaking places. I love to sit and talk to Damon because Damon always goes to the most wonderful places, and he has pictures, and he shows me all of these wonderful places, and they're breathtaking. 
and you're just looking at the picture, you're like, I gotta go, I gotta go to Alaska. Who would ever want to go to Alaska? Sit down and talk to Damon, you're gonna want to go to Alaska. I gotta get to Alaska. Because these places are beautiful. They're breathtaking. I remember standing up on one of the mountains in Maui and just looking at God's creation and thinking, this is breathtaking. This is captivating. I'm just looking the whole time. It, it was, I could barely take my eyes off of it. That is what Eden is. Eden is not just a physical location. Get a revelation. Eden is a place in the spirit where you're face to face with the almighty God. Listen, beholding his splendor. Beholding his majesty. Listen, beholding his light. He's the father of light. Beholding his glory. I'm talking about a divine distinction. The glory of God is his captivating, mesmerizing presence. And the only way that I get into that mesmerizing, captivating presence is by means of my own worship. That's why I said I can do a whole lot of things for you, but I cannot worship for you. I can worship with you. And when we worship together corporately, God still individually comes captivate, to inhabit our praise and our worship. We talked about this word, God breathed into man's nostril, the breath of life. This has reference to ruach, the wind, the spirit. So man was supposed to have a standing appointment with God in the spirit. But I just can't bluster there. God did invite us. He said, come boldly to my throne to obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. But how do I get there? By means of praise and worship. Listen to me, which requires speaking. When we worship God with our giving, we're still worshiping and we're making proclamations with our mouth because our worship brings us into the presence of God. I need you to get a revelation right here that speaking is required. The Holy Trinity is very, very vocal, and we should be very, very vocal too. We're speaking spirits, and we're designed to speak forth the outcome. And when I speak it forth, I have divine distinction. We can all worship together, but your worship distinguishes you from everyone else, and the Father knows exactly where to find you. Let me lay some principle down right here. I want you to hold on to this thought because I'm going to qualify it. The Holy Spirit restores glory. The Holy Spirit restores 
glory. Let me get ahead of myself, and I'm going to backtrack just a little bit. In chapter 3, we know, we know what happened in verse chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. Where did God put the man? In the Garden of Eden. Where was the serpent? Two different locations. Come on and get a revelation. I'm just reading you from the Bible. It says, the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, uh, you shall not eat of the tree from the garden? He came in asking a question. If he's from the field and her residency is in the garden, there are two different locations. What stranger has a right to come up to you asking your personal business? Unless he wasn't a stranger. Unless he was a friend of me that had been coming in and out of her garden. The garden, remember, Eden, the place of delight, captivating, mesmerizing presence, the light of God, the glory of God. But now she has somebody that's coming in and distracting her in her worship. Sometimes the things that we desire, the things that we want can distract us from our worship. We can desire things so much that we begin to play a game with God. I'm going to worship till I get what I want. Then I'm not going to show up again. Let's go. Let me qualify it in scripture. It says in John chapter 4, verses 23 and 24, I'm reading from the New King James Version. It says, but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers, the, the what? If it says they're a true worshiper, that leads me to believe that there are counterfeit worshipers too. Counterfeit worshipers come long enough to get something. Then when they get what they've been praying and crying for, you don't see them no more. But the true worshipers keep showing up. It says, but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. When it says he's seeking those to worship, he's not sitting on the throne saying, worship me, worship me, worship me, worship me. No, he is seeking somebody that he can have a covenant with. So there can be a divine reciprocation. When you worship him, he comes in your presence and he looks in your life and he analyzes what is the real need, what is the real desire. And then he meets that need and an abundance besides. But if we only come into his presence just long enough to get something, we walk away with the thing that we wanted, maybe, maybe not but we don't get what we really needed. Come up in here with me. If there's true worshipers, then there is a counter.
perfect in worship. True worship is a response to revelation. True worship. The Holy Spirit gives us revelation, opens the eyes of our understanding, flood the eyes of our understanding with light. God is the father of light. Shows us his glory, reveals to us. The glory captivates us. The delight, the mesmerizing, captivating presence. I'm still talking about divine distinction. Now here's a revelation. I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back to Genesis. But here's a revelation. Singing can be forced. Singing can be prompt and prime. Come on, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Put your hands together, clap the Lord, jump up and down. You can command people, listen, you can guilt people into singing. You can guilt people into dancing. Come on, you, you got to dance for it. You can coerce people into clapping. Clap your hands, come on, put your hands together, clap your hands. You can make people do things. You can force them, you can coerce them, you can guilt them into singing, in the dance, and in the clapping. But one thing you can't do is force nobody to worship. Because worship, oh, God Almighty, worship comes with a revelation of who he is. Worship comes with a revelation of seeing him in all of his splendor, in all of his glory, seeing the light of his glory. True worship responds to that revelation that is found from the word of God. When I open up my mouth as a speaking spirit, I'm distinguished from everybody else in my worship. There's a divine distinction, not better, just identifying who I am as a result to the revelation that I get from the word of God. Otherwise, it's just emotions. Have you ever watched a movie? On one part of the movie, you're cracking up laughing. On the next part of the movie, girl, you better run. You're hollering at the screen. In the next part of the movie, you're crying. That's just a movie. And you have all of them different emotions in one two-hour movie. How about our lives? We don't always feel like worshiping. But if I don't feel like worshiping, then I have to have a revelation that my worship is a response to the revelation of his mesmerizing presence. So when I don't feel like it, something has caught my attention. And taking my attention off of his captivating, mesmerizing presence. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Because when I have a revelation of who he is, when I have a revelation of how he brought me out of darkness into this marvelous life, when I have a revelation how over and over and over he keeps on blessing me, even when I don't deserve it, he still blesses me. When I have a revelation that he is healer, keeping sickness and disease off of me, I respond in worship. The enemy 
came out of the field, came from a whole nother environment, or as we sang today, atmosphere. He came from a different atmosphere. Your worship creates your atmosphere. Your worship creates your atmosphere. So the serpent, subtle, he was slick about it, came from another atmosphere into the garden. It said he was more subtle than any other beast of the field. Where did God put the man that he created? In the garden, in delight, in his mesmerizing, captivating presence. You're not supposed to be able to take your eyes off of him because he's so beautiful, he's so splendid, he's so majestic, he's so wonderful, he's so glorious. But when we're frenemies of the world or frenemies of the things that we want, we allow things to come in and out of our worship environment, in and out of our mesmerizing, captivating presence of God. And it distracts us. It takes us off of it. Have you ever been watching a movie and right at the good part, the Lord call you away to go pray? How many of us pause the movie or turn it off and go pray? Or do we say, oh, it's almost, it's only 10 minutes left. I'll catch up with you later on tonight, God. Lay in the bed. After you've done everything that you were big and bad enough to do that day, lay in the bed under the blankets. Talk about father and then that. Come on, come on, come on. Let us be real with ourselves. There's true worship, and then there's counterfeit worship. We see that the enemy came in and said, did the Lord really say, did you feel, who says that? Unless he had already had some conversation. Who, who starts the conversation? I'm not going to walk up to a stranger and say, did such and such, that I don't know. How would I ever know? He had to have some conversation. Now, Adam and Eve, their, their atmosphere was to meet God in the Ruach, in the spirit, on the cool of the day. They had a standing appointment. Remember, in the standing appointment with God, in our worship, it is reciprocal. I'm worshiping him, he comes to see about me. Now, I'm not worshiping him so he can do something for me. I'm worshiping him because he's great and he's greatly to be praised. He's high and he's lifted up and his train fills the temple. There is none like him in heaven or on earth. Nobody can compare to my God. So I'm mesmerized with his presence. But something happened. The serpent came in from the field, took Eve's eye off the prize. We know the story. She ate. She wind up and he said, God just knows. Girl, you can eat that fruit. Girl, go on and eat that fruit. God just know. If you eat that fruit, you're going to be like him. Because she was not looking in the mirror of his mesmerizing presence, she stopped thinking that she was who God said she Remember, man was created in his image and his likeness, right? To have dominion, right? So the answer to that accusa accusation was, I'm already like him. 
come on, come on, come on. I was preaching in Atlanta one time, and somebody came up to me afterwards and said, you trying to preach like pastor, you trying to be like Pastor Bridget. I was like, I wanted to say you sound stupid. I didn't say you sound stupid. I'm already like Pastor Bridget. What you talking about? That's my spiritual mother. I'm already like her. So why are you trying to make me feel small? I'm already like her. I'm not, that's not that taking nothing away from me or nothing away from her. I'm already like God. I'm already created in his image. I'm already created in his likeness. While you talking, serpent, get back to the field. But she came out of the Ruach to entertain his accusations. Remember, in, the, in our worship, God sees what the real need is and he meets the need. In true worship, because it's reciprocal, God comes, he, he meets us. Our worship brings him on the scene, right? We have a standing appointment with him. He's invited us to come boldly to his throne to obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need, right? It's a standing appointment. Whenever we get there, he's already there waiting for us, Right? But what happened with Eve is when she stepped out of the Ruah, she said, I got a problem. I ain't like God, so let me help myself. There it is. Let me do this on my own. Minister Essence was talking today. She said, when you don't tithe an offering, you said, God, I got this. You can come in my relationship. You can come on my job. You ain't getting my money. I got this part. That is what, in essence, she said. If I, if I want to be like God, let me help myself. Outside of the Ruach, outside of the Spirit, I'm not in true worship. So therefore, now I've got to manipulate to try to meet my own need when God is a need-meeting God. He meets my need when I'm in worship. It's a reciprocation. I worship him, and he comes to see about me. He comes to help me. And just like that, they discerned that they were naked. Give me five minutes. Naked means that what they were clothed in no longer was their garment. Well, what were they clothed in? If they were created in God's image and God's likeness and God is the father of light and God is clothed in glory and arrayed in splendor, so were they. So when they ate of the forbidden fruit, took matters in their own hands, the glory of God left them. She looked at Adam. Adam looked at her. They were unrecognizable because all along, all you saw was splendor. All you saw was glory. All you saw was light. Now, you've taken on the form of a beast. You don't look like yourself anymore. You don't act like yourself anymore. So instead of admitting and quit it, they strategize the cover-up plan. Let's get these leaves and cover us ourselves up. 
fig leaves to cover their nakedness because they had never seen themselves or never seen each other outside of the glory of God. Come on, I'm talking about the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is given to restore glory. The Holy Spirit is given to you to restore glory. Remember, Christ in me, the hope of glory. So what glory are you talking about? The image and the likeness of God. Able to face any situation and circumstances the same way God handles them. As a speaking spirit without wrath and doubting. Come in here. I'm trying to give us a revelation of the divine distinction that we have as a result of our worship. It's voluntary when you got a revelation of who he is, how he brought you out, how he loved you, when he knew the absolute worst about you, and he never takes your trespasses and sin and washes your face in it. He throws it into the sea of forgetfulness. The hour is coming, and now is when the true worshipers will worship him in spirit and in truth. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit helps me to have a revelation, so regardless of what I'm going through, I can still still see God high and lifted up, and his train fills the temple. I can still see his majesty. I can still see his highness. I can still see his fullness. I can still see his splendor. And I respond appropriately. Not by taking matters into my own hand and eating something that's forbidden because it feels good on my flesh. Everybody looks straight ahead. But I can respond appropriately with divine distinction with my worship. Worship is not singing a song. Worship is not clapping my hands. Worship is not dancing. Now, we can do those things in our worship, but worship is responding to the revelation of who he is. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, God for us, God with us, and God in us. The spirit of God big on the inside of me to transform me back into the image of his glory. The mesmerizing, captivating presence. I'm going to qualify it. You got to come back. You got to come back next Sunday because I got to qualify it for you. Because I'm going to show you in scripture. I'm going to show you in scripture. This is true. The, the mesmerizing, captivating presence. Remember Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration? What does he transfigure into? Glory. Remember Moses on the mountain? Show me your glory. And the glory of God. 
shone so brightly on them that the people were afraid. It was so much glory because they weren't used to worshiping him. They wanted to worship God through him. So they said, Moses, cover up, cover your glory up. He had to put a veil on so that they couldn't see the glory of God. Listen, God breathed in a man's nostrils the breath of life. A man became a living being and a speaking spirit to speak forth the outcome. Then God put the same man and strategically positioned him in his glory. Have you been, ever been in love with somebody, you looking in their eyes, you just be googly-eyed looking in their eyes? Woo. You just be intoxicated looking at them. And you can see your own self in their eyes, intoxicated with this presence. How do I get there? I'm distinguished because of my divine distinction in worship. I told him, I lift my hands. I, I, I worship him as if I'm giving him a sacrifice. I'm distinguished in my worship as a result of Tahila. Tehillah is the Hebrew word when it talks about your whole person is involved in worship. So I'm not just sitting there like this. My whole being, my whole personality, my whole body, everything is involved in my worship because I'm captivated. I'm so captivated. I use my whole mind, my mouth, my teeth, my tongue, my vocal cords. I use my body. I jump. I dance. I leap. Tequila is all sound a lot like tequila, doesn't it? Then I start acting like I done had some tequila. Because of my divine distinction in worship. Come back on Sunday and let me take you a little bit further. I'm out of time. Come on, worship. You worship. You worship. You worship. I can tell you to clap your hands. I can tell you to stomp your feet. I can tell, but you get a revelation of who he is for you. Holy Spirit in you, for you, and with you. For it's mesmerized. I trust that word blessed your life. Thank you so much for tuning into our podcast. Don't forget to connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. And I want you to know that at Destiny Faith Church, we're more than a church. We're a family.